0: Hello dear listener, thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings Podcast. My name is Rick Guzman, I'm an improv comedian from New York. And I don't know, I don't really have a lot of small talk today, because it's early on a Sunday morning, and really I just want to go back to bed. But before I do that, I'm very happy to have our guest with us this week. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's the host of the There It Is podcast. He's joined Spooky Doings a number of times and made it better, in my opinion. Jason Farr is on the show today. Hello, Jason. Hey,
1: that's sweet of you to say. I love doing Spooky Doings. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for it's me. It's
0: sweet because it's true.
1: <laughs> Those are fun shows. I just love the... I love Armando... I love the Armando improv style the the long form form but um also i love spooky things so (laughs) it was a good marriage of uh, two fun things for me
0: well i'm i'm glad i i really love when improv performers that i admire uh and i respect come and do the show and all they have to say about it is it was fun Cause that's, that's why we do it. I mean, there are other things that challenge you or might, you might take some kind of benefit from, but fun. It's like, it's the simplest way to describe our improv show. And I'm like, if that keeps y'all coming back, great. Cause I admit freely, I'm not the best performer on my own goddamn show, but that doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's such a fun show, and I was re- really looking forward to doing it this month. But then uh, something came up, so I can't do it this month. But
0: oh no, you have to go on a trip with your wonderful fiance. <laughs> Poor Jason.
1: <laughs> but uh, I mean, I was, I was like, man, holiday, uh, Halloween weekend. I got it <laughs> this weekend. It was, uh, I was, I was, I mean, we're gonna have fun on my trip, but it was gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Well, that that that's the thing. A lot of people are like, oh, it's spooky season, and then there's me. Yeah,
1: it's like all season through spooky. Season.
0: It 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 doesn't stop. I mean, I celebrate three holidays, all of them simultaneously. <laughs> so, really, my behavior doesn't change between Halloween, uh, Mardi Gras season starts November first, <laughs> and then Ash Wednesday. I start Juneteenth. And then June 20th is back to Halloween. And I'm always, you know, listening to New Orleans jazz and doing horror shit and respecting others that are different from me. So really, it's a constant holiday.
1: Yeah, you must really love uh, the original I Put a Spell on You.
0: (laughs) Because you're mine! (laughs) That's
1: such a rad version of that song. Like, that wasn't the first one I ever heard. But when I finally heard it when i was finally like exposed to it i was like yeah i love what this guy's doing vocally (laughs) like it's such an interesting thing that he did there
0: and it's just it's just fun now um you know a lot about music as well and none of this is a topic but we're on it um i know it best by screaming jay hawkins did someone do it before that uh, okay. that's the one
1: I know yeah that's the yeah. one I know that's the one, that's the one I assumed was the first one oh. I believe it is I think when I so on my on my podcast there it is we do brackets every mm-hmm. once in a while just for fun and we did one in a pop talk episode a couple of years ago that was for Halloween songs and that was that version was one that got on there and I think that's when I found out that that was the original version
0: hmm. Now, I get it. Yes, they screaming Jay Hawkins. For, for any listeners that aren't familiar, he'd come out of a coffin uh, with a skull cane and a bone in his nose pl- playing a voodoo priest character. And I can understand his, most of his catalog, uh, maybe with the exception of Constipation Blues, being considered Halloween songs. But to me, I Put a Spell on You It's just, it's a love song. The love song from from a wizard a mojo man just he wants love
1: <laughs> yep i uh i dig that song it's a great song um <laughs> if, what was i was also going to mention something else about uh before we went on that tangent <laughs> about the spooky theme. oh yeah so you 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 enjoy spooky things all year long, but do you? En- is there a season of the year that you enjoy spooky things even more than other seasons?
0: Uh, my favorite season, uh, climate-wise, is the summer. I love the heat um, because I hate being cold. Dad was Cuban. Mom lived in Brazil for 10 years. Uh, So I'm genetically predisposed to the heat. And uh, also being an old and growing up on 80s slashers, while I realize now a lot of those slasher summer camp movies were filmed in the off season, like in (laughs) November or some shit. (laughs) Um, Partially clothed glistening, attractive people appealed to me when I was going through puberty and watching those movies <laughs> for the first time. And it appeals to me now. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, you get some some heat going. You're running around in Texas and Leatherface is chasing you because you're an entitled hippie that went through his sunflower patch. And this description <laughs> should give you an idea of who I think the real villain of that film is. <laughs> <laughs> that's those fun kids to watch
1: were bratty
0: those kids were bratty no you don't just go traipsing into some onto someone's property who you don't know especially in texas
1: <laughs> where
0: you don't belong
1: <laughs> yeah. you
0: know, go in be polite you'll be okay you know there there are rules to horror I spoke with Jeremy Holm of The Ranger and in talking to him, there are rules that those surly punk rockers could have followed and they would have survived that film. Wouldn't have been as entertaining, but who gives a fuck? (laughs) Speaking of entertaining films, I asked Jason, hey, what do you want to talk about? And you recommended a movie. We've talked about Ty West films previously on this podcast, uh, such as X and Pearl, but now we're going back to almost the beginning with the first movie I saw of his, House of the Devil. So, What what was it about this movie that made you want to watch and talk about it, Jason? Well, I had seen it
1: before many years ago um, through Netflix, and so this was, this may have been before streaming, so I may have rented the DVD from Netflix, but I'm fuzzy on the details. On the time time frame it was a while ago Mm -hmm. and uh i instantly loved the movie as soon as it started just with the main character um played by jocelyn donahue um when she was just like walking around her college campus or just just making around town and the reason i instantly loved it i knew the movie was set in the 80s and uh, because they mentioned the description and they nailed the eighties.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it felt like the eighties so immediately that I was beside myself with how, like <laughs> how much it made me feel like when I was a little kid in the eighties, I just, I just was amazed by that alone and was like, I love this movie. <laughs> and um, then it, like, also Greta Gerwig is in it and I thought she was so great in it and it was interesting to you know I wanted to return since she's become such a uh a big director I wanted to return to an early acting performance of hers um and uh and just just wanted to see it again and feel like uh <laughs> I was a little kid in the 80s again i mean they really crushed it the the i I got to give it up for the hair and makeup department because They did the hair right. That's the main problem I have with things set in the 80s. They'll do some. There's actually another horror movie coming out, which I don't want to throw shade, but I'm not as interested in it because I saw the trailer and it's a good premise, but they just sort of dressed everyone and did everyone's hair in a cliche, sort of an 80s cliched way. And uh, that's what always bugs me and takes me out of th- it's, it's sort of like, you know, when a sitcom is going for a gag and they do an 80s thing and it's just like, oh, we're going to give Chandler the Flock of Seagulls haircut. And it's like only the Flock of Seagulls guy had the Flock of Seagulls haircut. There weren't college kids walking around to that. all. There, there, there
0: may have been. There was not. And, uh, and
1: I bet there, in California there were. I bet I, I would be surprised, maybe even Florida, but it wasn't like so common that I would ex- you would expect like Chandler Bing did it, you know, it just there was, was, like there was no thing. Internet.
0: There were no pocket uh, <laughs> True. phones and cameras. So there may have been. I'm curious what what movie you're talking about that you're you're not liking the hair. Um, you can name it. I don't it. even
1: I actually don't remember the name no. of it. The uh, lead actress is great. She
0: oh gosh,
1: why am I blinking on her name? I want to say like Sherpka or Sherpka. She was she was she played Don Draper's daughter on oh Mad Sabrina night. the
0: Teenage Witch. You're talking about Totally Killer, which I watched last night and I fucking loved it. Okay. It Look, was a lot of fun. A,
1: I thought it was a great premise when mm-hmm. I just when I saw that it was like it's like back to the future meets a horror movie, you know, like this is a fun idea. But I did not like what I saw of the trailer. Uh, as far as how they made, how they 80 it. I felt okay. like they went for the uh, stuff that wasn't as common and makes it not feel right to me. And uh, not that no one dressed like that or or anything. It's just when they make everyone look like that, it's like, well, not everyone was like I lived through all of the 80s not everyone was dressed like that
0: no i I agree there's one character in the movie that's dressed certainly more 90s grunge but yeah there are characters and tones i'm like oh yeah that's some very 80s shit yeah and that's more comedic than right and that house of the devil was sure but
1: it just even when it's comedies it takes me out of it when they like lean too much on it sort of like um gosh, I don't want to get back into music and talk about
0: <laughs> the music um, stuff, but um, this, John... this show goes where it goes. <laughs> yeah,
1: but there's this album called Sob Rock by John Mayer, and he made it because he was like, this is the, the music that I, that was comfort music for me was this like late 80s style of music. It was like, what if I made an album as if I came, like if I was the age I am now <clears throat> excuse me But it was the late 80s. And so he has uh, some motifs in there, like Last Train Home or Shot in the Dark or Wild Blue, fun, great songs. But one of the things he was talking about in making that album was you can't go like 100% on the motif, the 80s motif, or even 90%. You got to go like 10% on the motif, just to give people a little bit of the like hey this is what I here's the thing I'm going for but the rest of it the other 90% has to be you're just you're just trying to make music the way you would have anyway i feel it's sort of the same when you're doing even a comedy that's you're set in the setting in the 80s you can't make the motifs so such a big part percentage of where you're trying to derive the laughs from because it's going to be there the way their hair is, is going to be there the whole time. <laughs> they also don't do that with other movies. Like, you look at like, and not that anyone loved the movie, but that Sherlock Holmes movie that Will Ferrell did, like, they made the costumes look right, they made the hair look right. And that I think works better for comedy than going for something that's a little too a little too much it's like that 90 percent of the laughs are coming from how crazy the hair looks and then it's like but but that wasn't even how it looked it's too much of an exaggeration you're leaning too much on this it doesn't feel right (laughs) and it takes me out of it granted this was a horror movie but Mm -hmm. uh it was so pitch perfect
0: yes um with House of the Devil, what did it for me were two things. That little somewhat uh, summary for people that didn't know how bad the satanic panic was of the 1980s and me growing up in a really Catholic family and going to Catholic school like, yeah, I heard about that shit all the time. I did not. Never believed that. it once. <laughs> <laughs> but what made this the authentic to the 80s, early in the movie, was uh the 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 lead character uh samantha who's walking around played by jocelyn donahue and her headphones have that foam on it on her walkman and i'm like that's that's no different than i was with my first walkman that i got at maybe nine or ten years old like that that was my thing and i'm like all right i'm in the yeah. weirdo pizzeria that too uh yeah. one thing leads to another by fix uh the first time i saw that movie i'm like this is a song by satanist and for Satanists. so that is also very 80s to me oh i didn't know that <laughs> i don't know what compelled me to say that it was before i was doing improv but it felt right it made my beautiful lady laugh and uh, I've, I've stuck with that joke ever since
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I I just think it's a great movie, and I like Ty West. Um, mm-hmm. he did uh one of the segments of VHS, and I, which I saw after like years after I saw The House of the Devil, and when I just saw his name come, I was like, "This
0: is the guy who directed House of the Devil,"
1: <laughs> and I, I was like, I gotta I bet I'm gonna like his part, and I I did I did like it. I mm-hmm. like his touch. Like, so for any
0: listeners that haven't seen the movie, um, you should uh, watch it. But yeah, Jocelyn, she's a young college gal trying to rent an apartment from D Wallace, aka E.T.'s mom. Um
1: <laughs>
0: and, and and she's got money problems. Her her dorm roommate is like banging all the time, mm-hmm. all the time banging. Uh, the 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 room probably smells like socks and fuck. <laughs> uh, and that's not for everybody. <laughs> no (laughs) so she's she's trying to find work she calls for a babysitting job her friend megan played by greta gerwig you know kind of encourages her while eating some pizza that just looks horrible on camera um which is weird (laughs) because who doesn't like pizza but <laughs> it didn't look it did look like they were
1: going for something intentionally bad yeah but they and were we, even saying it they we, yeah. we were like oh the is
0: bad and <laughs> i wondered if that was an ad lib, because being a set dresser i know sometimes you'll get food for the scene and it's been sitting out for hours <laughs> and sometimes you have to make specific preparations if yeah. the actor needs to be seen eating on camera like you can give the background any old shit like don't actually eat this just make it look like a pantomime that shit <laughs>
1: yeah but that pizza I'm like eh. <laughs> it didn't look great I also love the line later in the movie when um the guy was like and there's a pizza place uh, the numbers for it is right here I know how you kids love pizza <laughs> <laughs>
0: Also very true for the 80s.
1: It was, yeah, because like someone in his age group probably would have scoffed at kids wanting to eat pizza all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. being a latchkey kid of the 80s, that was like a meal you could, or at least I could go around the corner and get a couple of slices and be fine before I was old enough to use the stove by Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah so so there's samantha trying to get this babysitting gig uh finally gets called and they're out in the middle of nowhere and i did the slow build of this movie can be frustrating to some but it actually builds to something and it builds to something uh quite intense and done uh Pretty well when 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 things start to pop off, and I think the thing that holds it together, and you being a music aficionado like me, uh, mm-hmm. let me know your thoughts on this. The score by Jeff Grace throughout mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. helps so much. What did you did you notice the music uh, upon this rewatch? Or
1: I did, and I do dig it. I mean, it just I felt like they nailed every aspect of this movie. I felt the actors were great and compelling, but you know, the sort of unsung heroes in movies and, and film uh, were as they mentioned the hair and makeup and then in costuming, but also the score. I, I mean they really did the they did the right touches.
0: Um speaking of the cast, what did you think of veteran horror actor Tom Noonan playing Mr. Omen? <laughs> he was <in> great. The-
1: <laughs> I thought he was great. Um, I mean, he was perfect, really. Um, I mean, he was the one who had that line, I know how you kids... (laughs) Like, he was... You know, he was good the way... um... Oh, gosh. How am I blanking on his name? Um, Norman Bates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anthony Perkins? Anthony Perkins, yeah. He was good the way Anthony Perkins was good in Psycho. Hmm. In that he... You know, he's he's the bad guy, but you're supposed to believe that this person would, that the lead would stick around him. So he can't be too creepy. He can't be too menacing. He's got to, you've got to have the right sort of tone and approach to make someone feel like they're going to be safe when they're not going to be safe around you. And he did that, I thought, really well, while also making the audience feel creepy a little bit because there is something a little off and it you know it that was another thing I think just with the storyline they really supported this this part of the story because I mean how many people are watching a horror movie and they go like I wouldn't have stayed I wouldn't have gone back you know like that's that's the big hanging point in a lot of horror movies but it's not really a hanging point in this because you go, Guys, she really needs the money. She's gonna get that great house. <laughs> she's gonna get she's gonna get to to rent that great house. And she has zero dollars. And uh she needs hundreds of dollars. And this guy's gonna give her the money. So she's got a MacGuffin to stay there. That's really strong. And he ends up, he's like throwing money at her. Mm-hmm. So that- it, it, you, you get why she would stay for that. But then he also, he has this cane. It's like, all right, I know he's tall, but he's kind of old and he's being so tender and he's throwing all this money at her. There is something weird about the guy, but maybe he's just weird. Like you buy that as an audience member, you buy that. Now Greta Gerwig's character did not buy that. And she was like, no, you gotta go. This guy's weird. And we have the moment of her saying, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. And so I feel like, a lot of that has to do not only with the writing but his acting, really making that make sense. It was a it's a tough part and he crushed it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna respectfully uh, disagree with you in part because I'm firmly in the Greta Gerwig camp. This motherfucker is changing his story. <laughs> oh, that's constantly. True. Fair enough. So, so for for my skeptical ass, the only thing that would keep me there, and probably keeps a, 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 our our protagonist there, is the money. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because c- even she argues like, "All right, you're offering me three hundred dollars." Samantha asked for four, <laughs> for five. Oh yeah, that was five. It might have gotten up to five. I re- I remember she countered with like four hundred, and, like, oh, and then she meets. uh, uh yeah. The 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 bride, if you will, Mrs. Ullman, played my Mary Warnoff, who used to be one of Andy Warhol's factory players back in the day. And and things get even weirder. Yeah. Sort of that that complimentary thing that older women do to younger women, especially in the 80s. I don't know how much they do it now. Like, you're so pretty. Uh-huh. <laughs> and to to it it definitely generates a feeling of unease into an already uneasy situation.
1: Right, right. No, I get that uh that pushback on that because his story did change, and and that but it's also how she got more money out of him. Mm-hmm. But I think his as far as his acting is concerned, I think his, uh, you know, he seemed feeble enough, and. Um, also, like, just soft enough <laughs> that I could. I bought her sticking around, which so many times, like I said, I'm like, no, no, like, as part of the reason I the end of the movie creep, I was like, why would you go back? <laughs> like, there's no reason to
0: fucking go back here. <laughs> That's the appeal of Mr. Fluffernutter, anyway. Um, Jason, I love you. You're a wonderful guy. You are absolutely going to die if you're in a horror movie situation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, as a black man, of
0: course. Right. I'm going to be the first too. one, right? <laughs> it's 2023. The order might change a little bit. Oh, I'll be honest. I probably
1: wouldn't have stuck around in the house of the devil. <laughs> I mean, I would have been like, nah, I don't know. You're right, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Plus, I'd, I'd rather probably hang out with wouldn't you. have
0: stuck around at the house of the devil. Uh, a memoir by Jason Fox.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I would have. Um, once he's like, he was supposed to meet with her and sit her up. I don't. I would have at that point been like, eh, and, and not bothered. <laughs> so, it, like, probably in real life would have been me.
0: The shit we do for cash.
1: Yeah, yeah, for real. Especially
0: 80s cash. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean the f- in the eighties we didn't have Zell and <laughs> I mean like you could know, wire somebody money, but that's that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she didn't have the weekend get that money uh sent to her.
0: Nope. Um, so the film definitely takes its turn. Mm-hmm. When uh, Megan, played by Greta Gerwig, leaves. And she kind of pulls over to light yet another cigarette. Mm -hmm. And out of the darkness comes Victor, played by A.J. Bowen, to offer her a light, ask her if she's the babysitter, and when she says no, just an immediate shot in the face. And then it's like, oh, all of that. And I think you needed all of that slow simmer for that 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 first pop of what you're cooking
1: yeah yeah and i i tell you and and i don't know what to attribute this to i had forgotten that that happened <laughs> so that it was sense. a surprise to me again and i think part of it might be just how they were setting up the that beginning of that movie you know and, and also it had been 10 years since i'd seen it but uh, I had just forgotten that part, and nothing about how that movie starts uh, led me to <laughs> remember <laughs> that's what that she had a fate. i I think I just thought, um, she got away. so mm.
0: I think also the suddenness of it mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there there's no there's no build, there's no chase. there's no uh, spoken threat, it's to pop. And now she has no face. And to make matters grosser, uh when AJ reaches in, stops the car, puts it in park, takes the cigarette that he just lifted from her and takes a puff off of it. And I'm like, not only are there carcinogens, there's now some dead people in your life.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, Let's it's, uh... make it grosser yeah that was a yeah that was a shocking scene uh and you know as you know my fiance and i were like no nah. <laughs> because we love it so much um yeah,
0: i i i like that you mentioned you watched it uh with your fiance so uh <laughs> we're, we're gonna go off on a little tangent here because i'm mm-hmm. just a curious guy and i've watched horror for a long time mm-hmm. so what kind of horror couple are you are you the ones that that cuddle uh when your fiance gets scared are you the one that gets scared are you both (laughs) laughing at things as they happen i'm laughing
1: at things the occasional
0: point and oh shit
1: (laughs) yeah uh i'm uh i'm laughing at things because when i when something is creepy in a movie i'm just sort of tickled that they nailed it and so <laughs> I'm, I get into that part of horror movies. I don't get scared easily from horror mm-hmm. movies. I just, I just, uh, so many of them are set in the fall. The fall is my favorite season. And um, I just, as the older I get, the more I associate them with the season. So I'm just sort of like enjoying them and I'm never scared. I don't really get scared. I think Hereditary had one moment that scared me but um, like I jumped a little, which I'd never do. I never do. I think maybe one other time in my adult life I jumped at something in a horror movie. Um, so they got me. And it'd been it had been years since I jumped at something in a horror movie. So they got me with hereditary, but I generally like just the creepy vibe that <laughs> that movies when someone's like creeping in the background. I'm always like, ah, this is <laughs> They really nailed that that uh, that moment there. That's funny. Uh, Justina is the type who, when she when there is something real scary or real gory, she uh, covers her eyes, and then I have to tell her when it's over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's that that that's that's someone's job in the couple <laughs> yep. watching. Horror movies. And I'm not gonna say it's always the man's job because mm-hmm. anything is possible. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's the, the come on close, it's okay, it's all good. Um, we, we've all had those moments, they're always fun. Yeah. And, 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 and who, who doesn't like a cuddle with their favorite person Right. Uh during the horror movie. But yeah, when you watch a lot of horror and you don't get scared too much, when they get you, you're just like, All right, all right, bravo. Yeah, yeah. I gotta give it up. You got gotta... you got me on that <laughs> one. You got it. I like that. I like that. And back to the movie. So uh now, now it's on and popping. Uh we've got mm-hmm. Samantha exploring the house. Not mm-hmm. a lot of talking going on, but now no. you're riveted as <laughs> she goes room. To room and things are on and popping. And then eventually yeah. she ends up tied up in a basement in a pentagram. There's a candle lit. And here's where it's not the 80s because you know they, they did so well with that that foam uh on, on the headphones. Mm-hmm. But if this was really an 80s movie, <laughs> I realize how this makes me sound, but again, went through puberty while watching oh, horror yeah, movies.
1: I know where you're
0: going. Sam- yeah. Samantha's not naked. And I get that. You shouldn't make somebody be naked if they ain't comfortable being naked. Uh and the movie does not need it. It does not mm-hmm. need the gratuitous nud- nudity. That's just me. I I I wouldn't say I need it, but I always like it when I come across it.
1: <laughs> I also wonder though, um, if they didn't go for that I mean, if it was the 70s, they would have gone for that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like absolutely. But um, I wonder if it was just like how things have changed by the time this movie was made or uh something else. Like I I I I didn't think about that until you brought it up, but you you know, you're right. Seventies and eighties movies, but kind of especially 70s movie, would have um would have had the nudity. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at Halloween. And also, yeah, well, like it's a cult thing. Like, would they even want a person clothed in uh, that set in that setting? But no. um, yeah.
0: Um, but also, you know, in 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 the seventies, uh, also in the eighties, with with VHS, you know, you you got to put nudity in the movie to get people to come to the theaters. Otherwise, they're just going to watch it at home. And now, yeah, you have the same problem with streaming. But everybody's got a pocket robot; that they can Google any kind of flesh they want to see so now just hopefully go for something good
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) just make a good movie i do also like the poster yes for this movie it's
0: it's pretty killer it is it is and and samantha fights her way out and gets all stabbity poke which you know a a final girl is supposed to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. makes her run away there's also an eclipse going on that's why all this is happening uh but when confronted by Tom Noonan, she kind of starts to float a little bit and she takes the gun that she's liberated for herself, shoots herself in the head, and we think it's done. But it's not done. We cut to a hospital room. Go in there, we see there's Samantha, head all bandaged up, nurse taking care of her, and saying, mm-hmm. We're gonna take care of both of you. Hand on the stomach, you get that rosemary's baby kind of ending. Mm-hmm. And want to go in depth about this a little more that satanic panic of the 1980s. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that and thoughts on the end of the film?
1: Uh, You know, so the satanic panic, I've definitely heard of it, but I don't know much about it. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but it makes me want to read into it. (laughs) Like, see, maybe there's a Netflix documentary about it.
0: Um, I recommend a documentary. It was on Hulu. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it still is. It's called Hail Satan. And I say it like that because there's a question mark at the end. And it's a documentary about the Satanic Temple out of Salem, Massachusetts, um, and kind of their origins and how they're, they're a bunch of, you know, essentially you boil that organization down. They're Gothic policy nerds pointing out the hypocrisy of mm-hmm. the religious Right, but they get into that and how prevalent it was and uh, you know, as someone who, who, who lived through that and remembered that, like everything from Kiss to Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. and other heavy metal uh, bands being told that they were the tools of the devil and harm. right? And nerds right. playing Dungeons and Dragons, they were satanic. Uh, this, this fervor uh that had actual news reports and organizations saying give us your kids we'll deprogram them we'll make it better and then the 90s came about and all those churches all those youth ministers all those organizations they were asking for your kids to diddle the fuck out of them yeah yeah so while you say you don't know about it now you do, but in a different outfit.
1: In a different outfit, yeah. So it is all those
0: conservative it's... Christians blaming right the LGBTQIA yeah, exactly community and yeah. saying they're coming after your kids. We can yeah. protect them, and in ten and years then they're not. Yeah, or or even now, every time you go online and you well, see, we keep yeah.
1: It's like the people who vote for them. I don't want to get too political, but like you know, do it. Guys, That's what this show is. The guys who show up at pizza parlors with ak's to demanding to go into the basement because there's some underground um human trafficking that joe biden and hillary clinton are in control of they believe that but then when the news comes out that what one of these senators who peddles uh falsehoods are getting implicated mm-hmm. in this stuff you know what i mean like you know, like Matt Gates gets yeah. implicated in this stuff. Jim yeah. Jordan turned a blind eye to this stuff, but we're supposed to trust them. That's yeah. the thing. And they, there's like this weird dissonance that people are doing where if it's something that some conspiracy theorist is saying in the dark web is true, then they believe it. Mm-hmm. When the person is accused of it out in the open, then they don't believe it. Mm -hmm. And I I don't understand how their brain works uh, that
0: way. It it doesn't. I'm going to let Jason in on a secret. I think our regular listeners know. This is a horror comedy podcast on the surface. Beneath that, I spew all of my liberal ideologies. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, of course, I wanted to get into this, that, like, you know, daily, there's youth ministers, there's clergy, there's law enforcement. Yeah. Getting busted all over america for preying on kids yeah um but the right never hears about that because they're in their bubble of one source of information but eh. right and it's and it's
1: like i mean i read have you read the book jesus and john wayne
0: i haven't i know john wayne um is a was a prick and if my dad were still alive, the arguments that we would have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over his well, defense of and my reasons to be against Marion Morrison. It's, would it's be... a little
1: deeper than just John, the John Wayne stuff. It yes. was how John Wayne was a figure as mm-hmm. masculinity, but um, but more so how the right, the Christian right, used those kind of figures, starting with him, to uh pedal but they pedal. Mm-hmm. And it's a very it's a dense read, but it's a very eye-opening read. And, you know, you hear stuff like, you know, the all the awful things that these religious leaders and, you know, like the Falwells and stuff just sort of manipulated and um overlooked and or swept under the rug. Like all the stuff that like people have done we watched the hillsong uh documentary and you know the accusations against them or
0: like what 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 is that i'm not familiar with that
1: hillsong is a church in new york but they originated the the original place was um in is or i should say is in australia and they just branched out to a bunch of different places as um a lot of these mega churches do as a money making scheme and um i said it no, but uh <laughs> they um but it is a money making scheme. And they there's this guy, Carl Lentz or something like that, who just got embroiled in some affairs, I don't think with anyone underage. But I mean there's a lot of like sexual impropriety that goes on, and you know, they're the ones who are always pointing at Hollywood as mm-hmm. being the culprits of sexual impropriety, but yeah, they're obviously, you know, we all heard about Harvey Weinstein and, and people, but it's also like a lot of these mega church pastors and, and, and how people heard about things, people in charge would hear about bad things and sweep it under the rug. And it's because they just, they don't want the money messed with. Mm-hmm. And all of that is so in bed with the far right that it's like, it's not like, like yes, you are in a bubble of hearing one thing, but a lot of people say that and they mean like, they're just watching Fox News all the time. It's not that simple. Like, yeah, Fox News, but also focus on the family. Mm-hmm. And also politicians. Fox News, a damn of sexual harassment. <laughs> right. So it's, but it's all the same talking points because it's coming from the same wing of the Christian right. And so it's it, it it it's a bubble that way but it's so calculated and it's so advanced and diverse and it's just bizarre some of I think it was Jerry Falwell to, to like go back to the 80s on something I think it was Jerry Falwell who was talking about the police song murder by numbers mm-hmm. and this is maybe this was part of the satanic panic he was saying oh the devil wrote this song and you know just Striking fear in people about music, <laughs> and Sting, who wrote the song, was like, "This guy's saying a devil wrote the song. I wrote the song. I wrote the song. <laughs> like, what are we doing here?" No, it's I. So may, I bet that is part of the satanic panic, like that.
0: It's a bit of I everything. Mean, it's it's a lot of accuse the other side of. Mm-hmm. that which you're guilty and yeah there it there's money involved uh, much like satan and and just you know other invisible sky daddies i, yeah. I look at people like mm-hmm. you're a grown person and you still believe in this uh yes <laughs> i don't know man i mean i will
1: now to get like super religious after i mean like, certainly, i certainly i don't feel particularly religious uh, but um i also don't want to be one of those people because <laughs> it seems like a like a, there's something weird when people are like i'm spiritual not religious but um uh uh i don't know that just you're not a dick about it yeah
0: well i mean you're, like, you're not telling me what i can do
1: right right i've never liked that part and um you know like i've just had the experiences i've had spiritually so i'm like well there's It just feels like there has to be something bigger than us out there. Um, but what I don't believe in is using that belief or that knowledge if it's if it's that's how convicted you are that it's true, and imposing stuff on other people. Like it's not the whole point of saying, like, I'm spiritual, not religious, is that you're saying it's something personal Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I'm rejecting the religious side of things because of how controlling it can be to people mm-hmm. so you can't say i'm spiritual not religious and then turn around and try to control people exactly <laughs> because be- that's what the problem was the whole reason you're saying you're not religious
0: if, if you want to cut out the middleman and go straight to the source if you believe in him great uh if if you're you're giving your money to a tax-free organization uh, there's something wrong with you but that's just the the <laughs> aging generation Xer in me that every time i see someone that tries to pass themselves off as a paragon of moral virtue uh like a jim baker like a Bill mm-hmm. cosby like a mm-hmm. lauren bulbert i'm like no you are doing some of the freakiest uh hypocritical shit yeah. out there anybody that's you know open about you know sex drugs rock and roll whatever their kind of thing is they're going to be the most polite person that'll look at someone like hey want to bang no cool all right here's some cake right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah you got nothing
0: to worry about from that person coincidentally took a trip up to Salem Massachusetts recently and there's a company called Black Craft Clothing, all satanic and whatever. Walked into the place. The nicest fucking retail workers I have ever seen in forty-seven years of life.
1: Yeah, dude. When I, I was an RA in college, and I guess it was my second year as an RA. Um, there there are two guys that I just they they became best friends, who lived in the same room, and they are on one side of the uh, floor. And uh, I always went over there because, like, there are all these dudes that were just real cool. It was a really cool, fl- like, speaking of that side of the floor, it was kind of like in the the floor uh, was broken up. That side of the building was broken up by the elevator shaft. So mm-hmm. you had these, like, you had separate tough- cubbies. Wait. Yeah. They were like these, like, you know, there were, I don't know, seven rooms over there on each side of the elevator and on the side that my best friends were on where there were some other friends that, um, we all, we all just really dug each other and, and would hang out a lot. And there was a guy on that side who was a, who was a Satan worshiper. And, um, my buddies told me, he's like, Oh, so-and-so is a Satan worshiper. And, Oh, this is bizarre that it ties into what we're talking about. In, in multiple ways satanic worship worshiper one of the nicest sweetest guys and that was the whole thing that we were like oh that guy he he is a satan worshiper and we were like oh really i'd never met a satan worshiper before i only heard about him <laughs> and i have no idea what to expect and you're like he's actually a really sweet guy he's a really nice guy and then we'd see him all the time fucking nicest guy he was the sweetest guy mm-hmm. his roommate who was the one who uh told us that he was a, the guy was a, his roommate was a satan worshiper um so I, I don't want to use real names um so there was a the satan worshiper and then there was
0: let's call him roommate
1: x roommate x here was the one who told us that the guy's roommate was a satan worshiper and roommate x turns out uh like while he was trying to make it seem like the satan worshiper might be a problem Turns out, he was a uh. We we weren't positive, but it sure seemed like he was hooking up with a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, that does we, we were like, that guy's a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, roommate X, I hope the Satan worshiper gets out of that situation. <laughs> That's yeah. how we felt uh then that guy ended up not like i mean the roommate X. don't think was there the whole year maybe he was arrested i don't know but he um he wasn't around the whole time but we were like i don't like that guy but you know the Satan worship is great mm-hmm. he's also got all the good side- albums <laughs> right right also that that side of the floor we all got along so well that we um did a haunted house mm-hmm. that halloween <laughs> we, we made a few of the rooms like a of room to go in and people did a little bit (laughs) and uh we just like turned the lights off and put a big sheet down to like block any light coming in and just it was like a huge (laughs) we were just doing a goof we thought like 10 people would come we had a line out the building down Mm -hmm. the sidewalk
0: Tell a Satanist to decorate for you and he will give you or she um, a <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> Speaking of masterpieces. Um Will you be watching or have you watched any of other Ty West films?
1: I I do want to check out Pearl. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I also didn't say how I felt about the end of the movie. Um you know, I did the first time and the second time, I wanted it to, I wanted her to really get away. But of course, like, it's a horror movie, you know, she can't, <laughs> there's always got to be a little something keeping her there, uh, keeping her in the horror. So it does have that kind of like, ah, shoot, you know, sort of ending. But I thought they, I thought they did a great job, you know, I thought, I thought they did a great job with the ending. I was, uh, you are a little bummed that she doesn't just fully get away uh and you it's one of those endings where you're like well the cycle continues this is just going to happen again to somebody else uh, a little later but um they did a really good job there's something about the way that hospital scene looked that reminded me of my favorite horror movie halloween Mm. Uh, there was something about just the way that the like light uh was used in that scene that reminded me of uh, a couple scenes from halloween but nevertheless great
0: movie cool so you you haven't seen pearl which i recommend. haven't seen pearl have you seen the uh, innkeepers
1: you know i know about innkeepers i don't think i don't think we saw it i think it was on the docket for movies to watch and i was uh, but i i'm very aware of that movie
0: mm-hmm. what about the uh, sacrament
1: sacrament Definitely not. I would say. I mean, that doesn't. That's not um, ringing any bells. I don't even think I had heard of that movie. I was looking at his IMDb. I'm looking at it again, and I uh, just to open up the sacrament so I can remember to put it on a list later. Please but, do. Um, in the Valley of Violence. No, I mean, like honestly, it was like VHS and uh, his name because I liked The House of the Devil so much. His name always just stuck in my brain. I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. Um, Did I feel like there X. was something else that I saw. I was just about to ask you what you thought of X.
0: Loved it. I, I have never been disappointed in a Ty West film. Uh in the Valley of Violence shocked the hell out of me. I'm like, this motherfucker made a spaghetti western almost kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a spaghetti western, but just a western in general, uh, was great. I've like he's one of those directors like okay he he's doing this movie i'm in when i first heard about he was he was directing x because there was some time he did a lot of tv between in Mm a valley of violence and x and i'm like he did this i'm going he wrote and did a sequel while, while while in lockdown while filming x or or prequel rather i'm like okay cool uh, and now we're just waiting for Maxine to complete that trilogy. So yeah, oh, if, interesting. if Ty West is involved, just fucking watch it. All of it. Okay. The Innkeepers in particular is inspired by the hotel the crew stayed at while making House of the Devil was allegedly haunted. Oh, rad. And that's what's what inspired that film.
1: That's cool. That's cool. I got to check it out. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I got a long list of movies that of his to see sometimes we're just uh i mean we're, we're trying to pick we're trying to go by mood mm-hmm. we have a list right now of uh movies and invited a couple friends over and we're we're just kind of gonna go through the list by how the vibe feels uh it should be
0: <laughs> a democracy it should be is that what you said it, it should either be a democracy or completely left to chance and like write a bunch of movie titles on some piece, pieces of paper, put them in a hat, pull it out, and that's your selection. Yeah, tonight. we
1: were thinking on having people vote for it, but in my experience, it, it ends up not really working. That was mm-hmm. just because one person really wouldn't like, push for their movie even after everyone voted. And no one, like if you're going to a a movie party and everyone voted, when you show up and someone's like, I know this movie didn't come in first, but can we watch this? Huh? 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 And they just start pushing. No one's going to be like, no, this is what we voted on. But I was sort of mad that this person does that all the time. So we, Uh,
0: another possibility, because we we all have pocket robots. You can get one of those wheels of chances. Yeah. Just put all the movie titles on there and just boop it and let (laughs) it be random.
1: Yeah. We, I would like, personally, I would like to do that, but I actually don't know that just would go for it. I think she would be like, ah, let's let's just see how people, like the people who show up, let's see how they feel. Because we did have a few people we invited who said, I scare very easily. <laughs> so if we landed on one of the scary movies, it might be like mean to do that. <laughs> because so many of them said that. So we have like funny horror movies on the list. <laughs> So we're gonna in, I I would love to just I, I guess that, on one of the off days, I'm gonna do it the way you just suggested.
0: In that case, again, I recommend Totally Killer because it was fun. It was not overly scary. Okay. But the the I I had a good time watching it and it supports my theory. Give the horror to the funny people. Mm-hmm. Uh like mm-hmm. Nanach Khan, I hope I pronounced her name right, like Zach Kreger, like a Jordan Peel, because they're giving you gold they really
1: are doing great stuff and i get the impression that ty west has a good sense of humor but um uh i think um i think you're right there because like so many of the horror movies that come out just seem kind of paint by numbers and they're just kind Mm -hmm. of like trying to copy something to catch lightning in a bottle again and it just sort of waters down the uh creativity and and the work uh but when you have someone like Jordan Peele who's just got ideas and mm-hmm. is a good storyteller um ironically because he's been doing comedy he can do horror movies really well <laughs> because he gets game he gets like it, it, you, wh- whether you're doing a regardless of the genre you're doing but you know it's there is a thing that is trying to be heightened trying to be escalated and that's what that's what makes comedy work but it's also what makes horror work it's just mm-hmm. not the funny thing you, you, you got to build
0: that tension work. you got to release that tension the best exactly. way to release that tension is with a laugh because <laughs> then they get you again
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's making uh, the laughs and getting people again where can the people find it if they want to find it jason
1: thank you very much you can check out there it is pond.com that's a good place to go to see uh, all sorts of things, like previous guests, including Rick here.
0: I, I was one. I was on the show. It was yeah, fun.
1: It was fun, and uh, also you can keep up with like festival comedy festivals because every month I post about uh, what festivals have open submissions that month, um, which is a a lot of people said is a great resource. Um, and also you can see me perform every Wednesday at the Magnet Theater. Um, during, that's the house team night for, uh, non-musical improv. I'm with the team Glitter, really fun team, a lot of great players. And on Friday nights, I just permanently joined the cast of the Friday night show at the Magnet Theater. So you can check out that every Friday at nine.
0: At MAGA Theater on a Wednesday night, not with glitter, but with a previous team. That's where I first saw you perform. And I thought, "Oh, well, I can do something with him. <laughs> I and, I'm, that, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm glad I asked. Yeah, yeah, me too. Not only did we have fun performing together, not nah, I made a new friend too. <laughs> Heck yeah. You can check out Spooky Doing's on Instagram. Uh, Spooky Doing's Improv on Facebook will let you know about our upcoming shows. We've got one at Young Ethels in Brooklyn on Saturday. October 28th. It's a 3 p.m. start. And then you can go off into the dark of a Saturday night in New York and continue your Halloween weekend because that's probably what I'm going to do after I finish making some funny. Uh, I'm Rick at Rick Guzman718 on the Tweety. Uh, you can find me on there uh, talking shit about horror and wrestling and records and things like that. Maybe an occasional tweet about hot sauce. <laughs> Jason. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, let me know what you end up me. watching tonight because I'm curious and uh, if you watch any of those other Ty West movies, and eh, maybe we'll have you come on back, put you together with Angela Florio. We've talked to her about uh, Pearl and X and we can make it a giant Ty West episode of Thing.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. Thanks cool. for having me.
0: And for all our listeners in the meantime and in between time, stay good, stay healthy, and stay spooky. Peace.
1: Nice.